Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. He can save you from the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ Amen You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm going to boldly say this to you. Jesus Christ, He is not a shelter from the coming storm. He is the only shelter from the coming storm. That passage of scripture over here in John, the 14th chapter, verse 6, Jesus answers, I am the way, that is, he's the path, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only shelter, because he is the only avenue by which we can enter into the Father's heart. That's such good news to me. I love Jesus. And there is no other way we enter into the Father except through Jesus and through his blood. You know, I read the scriptures over and over. And there is a parable that I've read many, many times, but I've never, until yesterday, preached on it. That was the first time I've preached on this message. But the Lord gave it to me, and I need to talk to you about it. What do you think? Matthew 21, verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind, and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said to the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, he answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of the righteous, But you did not believe him. 
but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. That parable started digging into me this last week. And when a scripture begins to dig into my heart, I have to stop and give it very serious consideration. The problem we're facing is a very difficult one. The evil of our day is growing exponentially. I can remember when I was just a boy. None of us locked the doors on our houses. None of us ever thought of locking the car. It was just accepted that people were honest. And for the most part, they were. Not today. Evil has grown on every side, and I want to tell you what's happening because of that. Demon powers have been held at bay by the Christian church in America. Evil spirits have come into our churches and our communities, into Hollywood, into the movies. Evil spirits have entered into every part of our American culture. Until today, evil is the predominant theme, sexual immorality, individual lust, individual wanting money and lifestyle and doing whatever they have to do to achieve that, violence on every side, violence such as I have never seen or heard of in my life. Mass shootings over nothing. A spirit of of death has invaded our nation. And it's come as the church has withdrawn from its responsibility to be the watchman on the wall and instead has desired to become the most successful company on the wall, a lust for money and popularity. Oh, we have the friendliest church in town. You ought to come by and check us out. It's horrific what I'm seeing happen to America. I don't agree with it. The homosexual agenda, the transhumanist agenda, Men want to be men, and boys want to be women. Total gender mix-up. The devil has done that among us, and he's just gotten started. We're going to see more and more manifestations of violence, sexual lust, and impurity, cheating. Even today, the highest officials of our land are recognized as thieves and villains. No righteousness in the land. Result of this 
is that there's no bending toward God. It's not expected for you to go to church and be taught how to bend your heart toward the Almighty God. Remember, it was Evan Roberts who prayed in the Welsh Revival, Bend me, O God! Bend me, O God! See, all of us, by nature, are evil. And so the devil has an advantage because already he has implanted in the heart of every man and every woman, every boy and every girl, the lust of our heart to be bent toward darkness. Many years I cried out to God and said, Lord, I don't understand. Why do I have this urge to go to violent movies? Why do I have this inner sense of desire to possess money? Why do these things have an addictive power in my life? It's clear. Everything that we're addicted to has a very powerful demonic spirit associated with it. So we naturally want to bend toward the darkness. Some of you are having a real struggle with this. Because on one hand, you say, I love Jesus, want to serve Jesus. But on the other hand, as soon as the opportunity is there to go toward darkness, anger, bitterness, rage, somebody crosses us and we're angry. There's no sweet spirit. It's rage and rebellion with angry words flying at one another. This is all a part of this bending toward hell, bending toward the devil. This is all a part of of this struggle. And many of you, you're Christians by confession, but you don't act like Christians. Now, part of that is because many of you don't believe that Jesus is, is fully God. You believe that Jesus is our friend. You believe that Jesus is a a model for how we should live. But you don't believe that Jesus is equal with the Godhead. He is a part of the Godhead. He is fully God and fully man. Don't believe that. So you have no power to overcome sin. And so what's happened in many places is, particularly with cults, they've tried very hard to set up standards that you must live by. You can't do this or this or this or this. You have to dress this way. You you set up a whole social way of living around the rules that you think will guard your heart from the demonic powers. Well, how'd that work out for the Pharisees? But that's 
who many have become. And others just throw it all off and they say, we don't care. We're, we're good to go. God loves us no matter how we function, no matter what we say, no matter what we do. God has unconditional love for us. No, he doesn't. Are you crazy? Who do you have unconditional love for? We don't have unconditional love. You say, oh, I have unconditional love. Well, good. Let your brother be murdered and see if you have unconditional love for the murder. No, you're going to want to see him go to prison. It's a lie that we have unconditional love. We have unfailing love, not unconditional love. Jesus was very clear. Love your enemies. Do good to those who press you, persecute you. And yes, that's true. But in the midst of all of this, we have this this parable. One son says yes. One son says no. But clearly, as you look at verse 31 forward, Jesus is addressing here the issue of righteousness, and he's Dealing here with heaven and hell. And a part of what he's saying about heaven says, John came to show you the way of righteousness. Leave your sin. John wouldn't baptize anybody who was still walking in sin. Look what he said to the scribes and the Pharisees. You You brood of vipers, repent and show me a change in behavior. Some of you have come to believe either that you don't have to change and leave your sin or that others teach that you cannot leave your sin without rules and regulations. And so, You have out-Phariseed the Pharisees. You've become more a Pharisee than possibly anyone in Jesus' day could become. Jesus said, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. how How can your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, John came showing us the way. And it's through Jesus Christ. It's through the Messiah. It's through the blood shed on Calvary's tree. But he's saying, you saw all of this. Now, let me say it straight. Some of you have seen very clearly the life change of a person who comes to Jesus Christ with an honest heart. And yet you have rejected Jesus and held on 
to your own wicked ways and attitudes. And that leads me to where I've really struggled with this whole gospel message, and that is with self-absorption, where my first and primary concern is, is me. What I'm going to receive, what I'm going to get, how others are treating me. Everyone should be subject to me, right? Everyone should be subject to you. You're great. Wrong. You're a sinner like everybody else, and so am I, except by the blood of Jesus Christ that transforms a man into a whole new life. Self-absorption, we need to be very serious about. We need to talk about it. See self-absorption. How we spend our time. How we spend our money. Where do you go to hang out? Some of you just go flat out to the television and feel righteous because you're not drinking a beer as you watch your movies. Some people, they love the malls. They love to be in the atmosphere of a mall. Nice restaurants. Hang out. Be with some friends. Others of you clearly want to want to go to the club. You love the sound of the music. You love the modern music of our day. It helps your mind soothe and forget your troubles. Truly, it doesn't. It only covers them over, pushes them down, exposes the real condition of your heart. For some of you, nothing is more important than being right. I was in that camp. My home church believed that they had the truth and that if we would just listen to their truth, we'd be good to go to heaven. If we followed their rules, we would be good to go to heaven. Of course, wrong. It's not my righteousness that opens heaven's door. It's not my righteousness that opens heaven's door. What opens heaven's door is the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his blood shed on Calvary. That's where the door is opened. But I must receive him. I must humble my heart and say, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. It's in you that I trust. And I I give you all that I am. Give you my my truth. 
And I give up my truth. I give all of my truth to you, Jesus. Give to you, Jesus. All that I ever hoped to be. Give to you, Jesus, my bucket list. I give to you, Jesus, my sports. I give to you, Jesus, my pride. I spent much of my life self-absorbed. And not caring very much about how other people think or feel. That has caused me a great deal of heartbroken sadness. I know where I'm going. If you're interested, come along. Not following Jesus, following my own prideful self-absorption. I deal with that. I only know of one way to deal with it, to renounce it in the name of Jesus. I am not interested any longer in what Ray Greenlee is interested in. I'm interested what Jesus is interested in. What is he interested in? Loving and saving lost sinners? In loving and helping God's people? He's interested in encouraging and loving and carrying us through the darkness. And if I'm going to cooperate with Jesus, that's also what I need to be doing. Loving, supporting, giving God's children. It's not about what I can get. I know that, but I didn't listen to it. I thought it was what I could get. I wanted to be successful. Today, I have no interest in success. Walking with a little house church. Some people say to me, Pastor, are you happy with a a small house church? You don't want a large congregation? No, I don't. I want what God wants. I want to minister in the name of Jesus to the people he brings to me. You see why self-absorption is so evil? 
It's centered in what I believe and what I want and how I can be someone important. So we find in churches, really not churches, they're kingdoms. This is true especially among the apostate American churches. We have people who have established their kingdoms. Oh, if the pastor is changed and a new pastor comes in, he better be educated very quickly about whose kingdom is whose, or he'll find himself in a great deal of trouble. No, we've got to lay these things aside. We've got to lay aside what people think about us. We've got to lay aside what we think about us. Our attention, our focus must be on Jesus. seems so strange because much of my life I've been looking for the next big speaking engagement or the next big increase in the congregation. Remember many times standing not with the congregation, but in the office where I can watch the parking lot and seeing who's coming and seeing if the new family I invited shows up. See if the church is growing, if our finances are in order. For many of us who are pastors, Church has been a business. I don't like that. I'm never going to be a part of the church business again. I have renounced the church business. Now I simply want to worship the people God sends to reach out and care for those who desperately need our help, especially in the body of Christ. So we find in this parable, why did one son say yes and not go? And the first one said no, but he went. Rather simple. The man who said, No, I won't go. But then he went. His heart was bent against himself. His heart was bent toward Jesus. So at first he said, No, I won't go. I don't want to get hot and sweaty out there in the in the vineyard. 
After all, I'm the son of the owner. I'm important. No. He said, Yes. His heart bent. It is of utmost importance that we allow the Holy Spirit of the living God to bend our hearts toward heaven. The other man, he said, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm on my way. No, he wasn't. He had no intention of going. His heart was firmly bent toward darkness and self-absorption. His heart was bent toward protecting himself. His heart was bent toward getting his way. He had no interest in serving. He's totally absorbed in his little world and his kingdom. He wasn't going to do anything to violate that. Jesus said, Okay. The prostitutes, the publicans, they're letting their hearts be bent toward God. And they are entering the kingdom of God. But you, John came to show you the way of innocence or righteousness. You did not believe him. You didn't believe that you didn't believe that Jesus was Messiah. You didn't believe he was God. You had your own humanistic way of planning out your life and, and the rules that you had to keep and, and do and, and feel good about yourself because you're so righteous. No. The, the religious of the day did not enter. The scribes and the Pharisees did not enter. The prostitutes, tax collectors, the ones that knew that by themselves they had no place of standing in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, he came and he gave to them a place of standing based on his blood, based on his being fully God and having the right and the authority. Come and say, enter into my father's house. says, even after you saw this, that is, you saw tax collectors, Matthew is an example, publican. You saw the change that happened in their lives. You saw that the love flow instead of the hate and the judgment. But you did not repent. And you did not believe in him. Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Or are you still self-absorbed? 
Have you humbled your heart before Almighty God? Have you cried out to the Lord as a publican or as a prostitute? Have you been utterly lost and now you're found? Is your heart cry that Jesus would open the door of heaven for you? That door of heaven is only open through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Are you concerned about your money and your lifestyle? Are you concerned about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat? Are you concerned about how do I preserve my wealth? How do I preserve? Jesus told the disciples, give it away. Come and follow me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Can I be very, very clear and very straight? It's very seldom that I have the privilege of talking with a humble person only once Jesus. Almost everyone I meet has a heart very concerned about their reputation, about what they have, about how they're going to keep it, very concerned about the job they love, very concerned about about everything in their life. And Jesus holds a very low place in all of that. Dear woman has been coming to the prayer chapel. I said to her yesterday, Jesus wants you for himself. Are you aware of that? I said, yes, I am. That's not the kind of religion she's used to having. And she hasn't made that decision yet to be given over to Jesus, no matter what happens in her life. She's going to have to make that choice, that decision. See, our our American Western life is not going to take us into heaven. It'll take us into hell. There's no possibility for you or for me. Self-absorbed, proud, always ready to go and fulfill some desire of our heart. Always ready to go and and help somebody as they pay us. We're really not Christ followers yet.
want Christ followers to come to the prayer chapel. Men and women, boys and girls who are willing to humble their heart and say, I don't want to be somebody. I need to learn how to go down. I'm tired of the journey up. I now need to become very small in my own eyes, humble, penitent, earnestly seeking after Jesus, not trying to be successful anymore, not trying to be somebody anymore. Are you willing to go there? Has this message been offensive to you? I can tell you that this parable that Jesus taught was extremely offensive to those who would listen to it. They wouldn't go in. The scribes and the Pharisees, the the religious people of the day, They weren't about to go in. They had a new car in mind. They had a new house in mind. They had prepping in mind. It's something other than Jesus in their heart. Will you go? Will you go work in the vineyard of Jesus? when you know it's not going to bring you popularity. People are going to even get angry at you when you say Jesus is God. Well, some people get very angry about that. Are you willing to lay aside your wonderful life? Go work in the vineyard for Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you have to quit your job. Instead, it means in the job, you now are primarily concerned with bringing men and women to Jesus Christ, to loving them, to serving them, to helping them, to not being self-righteous, but a humble heart, not argumentative, but of humble heart. Are you willing to do that? If you're willing today to be a part of working in the vineyard of Jesus Christ, go ahead and put it up there in the in the chat line. They have to move just a little. Still very, very broken. Hip is broken and I'm waiting on Jesus to heal me going to very soon. Are you willing to go work in the vineyard of Jesus? Are you willing to lay your life down and say all that truly matters is what Jesus wants with me and for me? Let's pray about it. Come today, a broken man, broken hearted, 
knowing that for most of my life I've been extremely self-absorbed, self-concerned, making my own way. Give me. I come today to say, yes, my only interest is that my name be that Lamb's Book of Life as a worker in the vineyard of the Lord. It's the only way we'll enter the kingdom of Jesus. To join you in doing what you're doing, Jesus. To be one with you, humble of heart, seeking to know you, Jesus, and seeking to serve with you in the kingdom above. Yea, serving with you now, humbling our hearts. Lord, I'm very concerned today because I know that there are many people suffering today. They had such expectations, expectations they could have that child expectations that their marriage was going to be full of love and compassion. Such expectations that they would be successful in their business. All kinds of expectations that have not been fulfilled that break their hearts. Lord, I know when we grow up, we lay aside all of our expectations and we take responsibility for what we've done with our lives. And then we come and we give it all to you, Jesus. Hand it over. And we say, all that I have left belongs to you, Jesus. friend said to me, it's only when a man or woman begins to understand how useless they are, they can be used by Jesus, work of the gospel. Lord, I pray today, every one of us will stop striving to go up and will turn and follow you to Calvary, where we become nothing, where we deny ourselves, where we take up our cross, and we say, Oh God, have mercy on me. Forgive me for my self-absorption. Forgive me for my pride and my ambition. Lord, how destructive. Ambition is in the heart of a man or a woman who wants to be a servant of yours, Jesus. It brought Judas to that terrible night. When he took you and betrayed you. Lord, don't let us be a Judas to you. Don't let us go our own way fighting for our own life, filling our hearts with emptiness, 
with the husks of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, turn us toward heaven. Bend my heart fully toward you, Jesus Christ. Remove once and for all the lust of being bent toward darkness. Let only that which remains be bent toward heaven. Don't let us bend our heart toward the foolish and empty things of this world. Jesus, you are everything. And we praise you and worship you and seek your face. Lord, this little parable in Matthew 21 just digs right into us. It digs right into us and it exposes our hearts. Lord Jesus, pray in your mighty name. You're welcome to write to me. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. And financially, we were behind this week. Last week, we were behind. And a dear family sent me an envelope, priority mail. And in it was a wonderful offering that caught us up last week. Thank you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, 22195. That's Pastor Ray Greenley. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. July has been a very, very slow month financially for the prayer chapel. Trusting many of you who've not given yet this month to step in and fill the gap. And I know you will. You can give online. Very grateful for Dirk and his faithfulness. Rodney and your faithfulness. Joanne, your faithfulness. Thank you. That's about time we have for today. I hope this message has dug into you and that it's been helpful to you. I come day by day 
broken as I am, pain sometimes written all over my face, come day by day because I love you. I don't want you to walk through what I've had to walk through as the Lord has disciplined me and awakened me. I don't want you to have to walk through that. So wake up, heads up, get to Jesus. Get down to Jesus at the cross. Lord, I thank you for today. Your Holy Spirit has been very powerful, very present. I know you have a wonderful future planned for God's people. A wonderful life of service. If we'll just give up our our self-absorption, our pride, our arrogance. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I love you. I'd love to meet you. One day, I think that'll happen. I'll talk to you soon.